through another New Year's Day, and we're telling everybody Happy New Year, even though none of us have any idea what that means. Uh, you know, how do I expect you to have a Happy New Year? For most of you, I probably don't really know. Um, have you made a bunch of New Year's resolutions? I heard of one guy who said he was going to open a chain of gyms that would only be open in January. That's everybody's New Year's resolution is to get back in shape and lose weight. And everybody loses their New Year's resolutions before the end of January. So why why have a gym open in February? That kind of made sense, I guess. I heard one person who decided that he was only going to make resolutions this year that he was sure he could keep. He resolved to gain weight, to stop exercising, to read less and watch more TV, to procrastinate more, quit giving money and time to charities, and to never make New Year's resolutions again. That looks like a list that I could probably get into. Uh, How many of you have ever related to imaginary cartoon characters? Now, as I get older and watch even some of the cartoons that I remember as a kid, I begin to realize that these characters, most of them, if you, once you get to know them, have real personalities. I remember the Winnie the Pooh series. Now, Winnie the Pooh first showed up in 1927. And I got to admit, I don't remember it at all when I was a kid. I don't remember ever seeing Winnie the Pooh. In fact, I don't remember reading stories to our son about Winnie the Pooh. But when the grandkids came along, I got to know some of these characters. Um, Jaden used to play Little League Baseball, Beginner's League Baseball, when she was real little. And Grandpa would pick her up from practice. And whenever I would pick her up from practice, she wanted to go to Arby's. That's why you keep Grandpa's around, okay? So we would go to Arby's, and she would always order a roast beef sandwich and Tigger Tails. Now, if any of you remember Tigger from Winnie the Pooh, he had this tightly coiled tail that he bounced around on. You will never order Arby's curly fries again without thinking about Tigger. (laughs) She always had to have Tigger Tails. But the character that I probably could associate with best was the pin the tail on the donkey, Eeyore. Now, Eeyore was one of these characters who would do anything for anyone. He was the helper. He would do anything for the rest of the gang just because he had to. He was always down in the dumps. Even when things started to look up 
you know, if I close my eyes, will all this stuff disappear? Always had a lousy attitude. His favorite line, probably the best line that I remember from Eeyore was, even when a butterfly lands on your head, it's, oh, bother. Oh, bother. And that's kind of my attitude toward New Year's resolutions. Oh, bother. I'm not going to keep them anyway. Hmm. Even when things looked up, it was, oh, bother. If you're an Eeyore, I want you to pay attention this morning. We're going to see if we can change that attitude just a little bit. We're going to see if maybe we can look up and see things from different... And by the way, if you're sitting next to an Eeyore, keep them awake. Okay? That's your job for this morning. All right. This is a sculpture of the Roman god Janus from Roman mythology. One of the few Roman gods to which there was no Greek equivalent. Usually you have the Greek and Roman gods are the same, just different names. This is one that there was no Greek equivalent. Janus was the god of beginnings, always pictured with two faces, one looking back and one looking forward. Last week, we looked back. Remember? We looked back at some really poor choices that Elimelech and his family made and how it impacted their lives and how God dealt with them and brought them, their family back. Well, we're not going to do that. Last week was kind of gloomy. We're going to throw Eeyore out the window this morning. We're not going to be gloomy this morning because we want to look forward. We don't want to look back as much as we want to look forward to what God has for us as individuals and maybe what God has for Living Hope Missionary Church in this coming year of 2022. Boy, it doesn't seem possible, does it? I'm just getting used to saying 2021. Uh, All right, let's take a look at God's instructions for Israel as they were going into a new land. And we're going to equate this morning God's instructions for a new land with God's instructions to us for a new year. Because I think that's a good evaluation, okay? Jacob's family had grown into a large nation. Some estimate as many as six million came out of Egypt. I would guess it's probably closer in the four million range, but still a fairly large family. Even Jenny doesn't have that many for dinner when she gets her whole family together. Four hundred years they've been slaves in Egypt. Remember when Joseph goes down to Egypt and his brothers come down and they go get dad and bring him down and they all die in Egypt. 
And then there came a Pharaoh who didn't remember Joseph. And they become slaves. 400 years it seemed like God had abandoned them. Actually, it was the other way around, but that's not the story for this morning. And then God sent a Savior. God sent someone to bring them out of slavery, and God sent them Moshe. That's Hebrew for Moses. My friend Moshe in Jerusalem reminds me of that occasionally. God sends Moses to them, and he gives them the law, and he brings them up to a place called Kadesh Barnea. Well, that's later on in the story. We'll get there. All right, let's stay with the notes. After they decide that they aren't going to follow God's commandments, they don't really trust God to keep his end of the deal. So they decide they're not going to go into the land. In fact, Moses, take us back to Egypt. At least there we had food. It wasn't this manna. Do you know what manna stands for? What the word manna means? What is it? <laughs> I've cooked some meals like that. What in the world is I'm tired of it. Well, they better get used to it because for the next 40 years, they ate manna and quail and drank water. Because God said, if you're not going to go into the land, I'm going to punish this nation until all of the adult generation dies off. And I'll take the next generation in. So for 40 years, they wander and they wander and they wander and the old generation dies off. A friend of mine was sitting having coffee at the table, at our kitchen table with me one day. And we were talking about the different farms around. You know, we grew up together. We knew, we both knew everybody. There's the different farms around and I, you know, that family's not there anymore and that one's not there anymore and that one's grandkids are living on the farm and that one, their son's living on the farm. I finally made the statement, you know, Jim, there's not much of the older generation left anymore. He looked at me and says, you haven't figured it out, have you? What's that? We are the older generation now. And that's the people that Moses was talking to as they come back up to the place on the west side or on the east side of the Jordan River looking over into the land looking ready to well again I'm getting ahead of the story if you've got your Bibles with you turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 11 if you don't have your Bibles with you, shame on you, you should. But we have them in the pew. You know, pull one out and take a look. Deuteronomy chapter 11. We're going to start with verse 8. I'm going to read verses 8 through 12. Follow along with me. Observe, therefore. Now, this is Moses telling the people just before they enter the land, he says, God gave all these rules 
to that older generation that has died off. So let me just reiterate. Let me just go over God's rules with you one more time to this new generation. Observe, therefore, all the commands I give you today so that you may have the strength to go in and take over the land that you're crossing the Jordan to possess. And so that you may live long in the land the Lord swore to your forefathers to give them and their descendants a land flowing with milk and honey. Remember that statement. A land flowing with milk and honey. The land you're entering to take over is not like the land of Egypt that all of you know about from which you have come, where you planted your seed and irrigated it by foot as in the vegetable garden. But the land that you're crossing the Jordan to take possession of is a land of mountains and valleys that drinks rain from heaven. It's a land the Lord your God cares for. The eyes of the Lord your God are continually on it from the beginning of the year to the end. Moses told them some very, very, very important things that they needed to know when they went into this land. Things that God had told them, but maybe they weren't, maybe they just didn't quite understand. So Moses tells them again, not only were they going to get a new land, but they were going to get a new leader. Moses was God's chosen Messiah for them, if you will. The, the guy who was going to save them out of slavery and lead them to the new promise. Moses was a politician. Moses was a prophet. Moses was a great leader. Moses was not a general. And that's what they needed now. So he's going to introduce them to the guy that they, most of them know, a guy named Joshua, who's going to take over. So here's this new generation, been wandering around in the wilderness for 40 years, following that tent of meeting where God came to meet them, camping around it. We're going to talk about all those things on Wednesday night, so don't worry about it, you'll catch up on that. And now they finally come to the place of promise. They finally come to a point where their forefathers had been 40 years earlier and they said, no, we don't want to go in. We don't believe God to keep His promise. And Moses wants to make sure that this generation has learned their lesson. Dunphy Missionary Church has been here for a long time. I remember coming into this building when it was fairly new. And the old church was still across the road. There's been a lot of good things have happened to Dunphy Missionary Church. But that generation's gone. We're setting on the plane now looking at 2022. Looking at a new time. We're now Living Hope Missionary Church. 
because things are new. Keep that in mind as we look at this conversation that goes on between Moses and the congregation as he brings them God's Word because I believe what he's telling them has a lot of application to us. Not only were the children of Israel going into something new as this church is going into a new year, they were going to have a new leader to take them into... Oh, we're going to have a new leader here shortly that's going to take us into this new time. Things are going to be different and not everybody's going to like some of the different things that came up when they went into the new land. We're going to look at that. Hmm. Expectations of the new land. What did the people expect when they got into this land? Yeah, that's important. For 40 years, they've been wandering around in the wilderness learning to follow God. And God says, I'm bringing you now to this new land that I promised to your forefathers 40 years ago. What are they expecting? When they cross over that Jordan River into this new land, what in the world are they expecting? Well, I think we can figure some of that out because God's told them a few things and their forefathers knew a few things. What did they expect when they crossed into the new land? Let me read another passage Numbers 13. You don't need to bring this in up. Just listen to me. Numbers 13. When they reached... Oh, this is the spies. Remember the story about the spies? Moses comes up to Kadesh Barnea and he sends 12 spies into the land to look it out and see if it's really what we want. How are we going to take this land when we get there? And the spies go in. And here's the story of the spies. When they reached the valley of Eskal, they cut off a branch bearing a single cluster of grapes. Two of them carried it on a pole between them, along with some pomegranates and figs. The place was called the valley of Eshkol because of the cluster of grapes the Israelites cut off there. The name literally means cluster. At the end of 40 days, they returned from exploring the land, and they came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh and the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit that they had brought from the land. And they gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here's the fruit for proof. What were the people expecting when they crossed over into the new land? Their fathers had been slaves. The ones that are standing there today were probably children or young people when they left Egypt. They can remember it, but they didn't get the whips. They didn't get the beatings. They didn't suffer as slaves. That was their fathers and mothers. They came up to this land and, and the spies came back and said, 
Look, it's an incredible bunch of grapes and the pomegranates and all the fruits that we brought back out. God was right. This is a land flowing with milk and honey. And if you've been slaves in Egypt for 400 years, that sounds pretty good. Their expectations as they went into the new land were, we're going to walk in there and we're going to have a feast. God's going to provide us all the food we want for the rest of our lives. It's going to be like Thanksgiving every day. That was kind of their expectations as they crossed into the new land. They anticipated going into the land and having an abundance of food and water. Hmm. This picture, I'm looking down into that valley of Eshcol. It is still miles upon miles of grape arbors. By the way, you notice how they arbor their grapes? I've never seen it in this country. They build the grape arbors up and out. So the grapes grow up and then canopy over so the sunlight never hits the ground. You've got to remember, water is scarce. So the sunlight never hits the ground. When they pick the grapes, they walk underneath them and pick the grapes. There's no bending over to get to the grapes. Interesting way of doing it. But this is the way it looks down in that valley today, and it goes on for miles. Just very similar, probably, to the time when Israel went into the land. Hmm. If you go north, which they did, the nature preserve at Dan is a totally different area than what you see in the south. Flowing waters, shallow streams, this is one of the three sources of the Jordan River that feeds into the Sea of Galilee. One of Linda's favorite places in Israel. It's beautiful. Unlike what it is when you get to the south. This is what they were expecting because this is what their spies had told them about. It may have been a little bit of a misconception. They expected a land that would supply all their needs. What do you expect in 2022? As we go into the new year, Israel had some misconceptions of what the land was going to be like. God had said it's a, a land flowing with milk and honey. Indeed, it was but not quite the way they expected. And we're going to look at that here in a second. But what do you, what does the church expect from a new leader, from a new time as we enter into a new year? Are our expectations reasonable? Are they what God expects of us? We're going to talk about that. The strength of the Israelites was directly related to their obedience. As they entered this land, they were going in as a strong nation if they obeyed God. But their strength was directly related 
to their obedience. Did you write that down? Their strength was directly related to their obedience. And as this church is going into a new year, a new time with a new leader, the exact same thing applies. The strength of this church, the strength of me, is directly related to my obedience to God. We're not going to coast through 2022 and look back and say, oh, God blessed us immensely, because that probably isn't going to be the case if we're coasting. Their strength was directly related to their obedience. That was their expectations of the new land. How about their existence or the existence of the new land? What was really there when they walked in? What really existed? Did their ex- expectations match reality? They're told that this is a brand new type of land. If you've got your Bible still open in chapter 11, look at verse 12 again, or verse 10 again. The land that you are entering to take over is not like the land of Egypt. The land that you are entering to take over is not like the land of Egypt. What was Egypt like? What was the agriculture of Egypt? Where did they get their food? Food was abundant for them in Egypt, by the way. Egypt does not get rain. Up in the northern parts, up by Alexandria, they get about eight inches of rain a year. And the farther south you go, the less rain there is. Cairo gets less than an inch of rain a year. And yet, food is abundant. Why? The Nile River. You know, you, know, you've, you remember in high school when you heard the stories about the, the Nile floods and waters the ground. And they would build irrigation ditches out from the Nile for miles. And they would have these pedal pumps, pedal wheels, if you will, that would flow the water into the irrigation ditches and move it out. Look at what it says there in verse 11. Uh, Oh, no, in verse 10. Where you planted your seed and irrigated it by foot. Huh. Okay? Pumping water into those irrigation ditches. As in a vegetable garden. Understand the concept, guys. This is important. The concept was the harder you work, the better your crops. In Egypt... The the crops are not going to grow if you just go out and plant some seeds. That isn't going to happen. You have to get that water from the Nile out to the fields. You've got to work. You've got to dig the irrigation ditches. You've got to pump the water. You've got to work hard. But if you work hard enough, you're going to have a crop. So the more you want to grow, the more you work. I kind of like that concept. 
I'm used to working hard for what I get. It's not a God concept, by the way. Look what he says. But, you're crossing the Jordan to take possession of a land that is mountains and valleys and drinks its rain from heaven. In Egypt, you worked hard to pump water out and you had great crops. And the harder you worked, the better your crops were. But this new land that I'm giving you is a land of mountains. You can't pump irrigation water up the mountains. They do today. (laughs) But they didn't back then. And valleys that God waters with rain. A whole new concept for them. Most of these people had not seen a hard rain in their lives. Understand the difference? In Egypt, it was up to you. You want crops? Work hard. You got crops. In the new land that God is giving you, there's nothing you can do about it. If God doesn't send the rains, you don't have crops. If God isn't faithful to His promise, you're out of luck. No matter how hard you work, you can't raise anything in Israel if it doesn't rain. Now we're talking about then, not now. They have these huge irrigation lines that come out from north of the Sea of Galilee and pump all the way down to the Negev. Two-thirds of the water that feeds into the Jordan River is used for irrigation, never goes into the Dead Sea. But that's today. That's not what we're talking about here. In their time, the only way to raise crops in those wonderful valleys down in the Shafela was God sent rain in the mountains. If that didn't happen, they had no crop. Remember, that even though they get extremely hard... By the way, we were talking about the rainfall in Egypt. Less than an inch in Cairo. Jerusalem averages about 35 inches a year. In three months. It rains hard. The water runs off and down into the valleys. And they grow some incredible crops. And eight to nine months out of the year, they get no rain. So if it doesn't rain in that rainy season, they're done. Nothing they can do about it. There is no hard work that will make up for the fact that it didn't rain, at least at their time. The existence of the new land was totally different than their expectations of the new land. In Canaan, God himself would see to sending the water that they needed. There's nothing they could do about it. We're beginning a new year. We're stepping into the unknown with great anticipation, just as Israel was stepping into the unknown with great anticipation. I'm not sure that we know what to expect any more than they did, other than 
God promised them that if they were faithful, it was a land flowing with milk and honey. If they were faithful, God was faithful to them. We're beginning a new journey into the unknown, and it'll require that we walk in total dependence on the Lord. We don't know what it's going to take for this church to bloom and grow in this coming year. I think it's going to. God has promised if we're faithful, He's going to be faithful. But we don't know what it's going to take. And there's nothing we can do. There's no program that we're going to put in. There's nothing that we can do to say, if I do this, it's going to happen. Any more than they could work hard to water the valleys in Israel. But God was faithful. And they went into a land flowing with milk and honey. So as they entered the land, let me read again to you. Deuteronomy 12 this time. Oh, you've got it on the screen, I think. Yeah, good. Okay. These are the decrees and laws that you must be careful to follow in the land that the Lord, the God of your fathers, has given you to possess. As long as you live in the land, destroy completely. Say it again. Destroy completely all the places on the high mountains and the hills and every spreading tree where the nations you are disposing worshipped their gods. Destroy completely their idols and the places where they worshipped their gods. Break down their altars, smash their sacred stones, burn their Asherah pole in the fire, and cut down the idols of the gods and wipe out their names from those places. If you underline things in your Bible, underline verse 4. You must not worship the Lord your God in their way. You must not worship the Lord your God the way the other nations worship the idols that they worship. What's God trying to tell me? What's God trying to tell this church as we're looking into a new land, as we're looking into a a new time that we don't know anything about? You can't be like the rest of the world. You can't do things the way the world does it. You can't necessarily do things the way you did it 10 years ago. That's hard for me to understand sometimes. It worked then, it ought to work now. Do not worship the Lord your God the way they worship in the land you're going into. Number one problem that Israel had when they finally got settled into the land was they didn't destroy all of the idols. They didn't burn all the Asherah poles. They didn't 
do what God had told them to do. There may be some destruction that God is expecting in my life, in your life, in this church as we look into this new year. Some things that we need to get rid of. Not people. I didn't say that. But some things, some things that we do. Some things that we rely on. That God says, I want you to rely on me, not that. Not that program, not that thing, not whatever it is. There may be some destruction that needs to go on as we head into this new year. The people of Israel had a choice to make. They could stay in the plain of Moab. Not a bad place to be where Moses was repeating all this to them. They could stay in the plain, settle among the people, and worship their gods. You ever hear of doing such a thing? Did you listen last week? This is where Elimelech went. The plains of Moab. Or they could step out in faith and see what God had in store for them. How many of you like roller coasters? Okay, how many of you liked roller coasters 20 years ago? Yeah. I remember one roller coaster. I don't remember which one it was now, but down at Kings Island. You came off that first huge hill. Remember that big drop that you always make? And your, your heart comes up about here. But you came off that first hill and you went into a tunnel. It was dark. One of the scariest roller coasters I ever went on. You know why? Because you didn't know what to anticipate. You couldn't see which way it was going to turn next. That's where we are in 2022. We don't know what direction it's going. We know who's at the helm, but we don't know which way it's going to go. Hmm. To see what God had in store for them. So that's what was entering the land. How about experiencing a new land? When they got into it, what did they find? Let me read to you again, Deuteronomy 6. When the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give to you a land with large, flourishing cities, that you didn't build. Did you think about that? The land that they were going into was inhabited. There were cities, there were homes. There was a society going on and those people were going to flee or be killed and leave their houses, leave their cities. You're going to go into a land with large flourishing cities that you didn't build. Houses filled with all kinds of good things that you didn't provide. Wells that you didn't dig. And vineyards and olive groves that you didn't plant. 
Then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful. And that, that's one I need to pay attention to. When you eat and are satisfied, be careful. You do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt into a land of slavery. Did you ever think about the fact that they're going into a land of vineyards and olive trees? One thing, I, uh, olive trees fascinate me. In the Judean hills, in the climate of the Judean hills, olives are grown huge. Olive crops are tremendous. But one thing that I didn't realize about an olive tree is in that climate, that tree needs to be 40 years old before it produces its first crop. God didn't say, my people, you've been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years and I'm going to take you into this new land and you're going to plant trees and you won't have a crop for another 40 years. He said, I'm taking you into a land where the crop has already been planted. The vineyards are already there. The olive trees have already been planted and it's ready for you to pick. I don't think that God is telling me or this church that we're going into a time where it's, we're going to have to wait for a crop. I think maybe the crop's already going to be there if we can just figure out how to harvest it. Look at a map. I've looked at this map a number of times of the population within 10 miles of the great metropolis of Dunphy. We have another 300 homes that have just been approved to go in within five miles of here. We have another 120 homes going in to the addition of the addition right next, right across the tracks. We're not good at that, guys. We don't know how to get to these people, but God's going to show us. I think God has us planted here for a reason. And he's saying to us, just like he said to Israel, you're going to walk into this land, into a place where the crops are already planted. All you have to do is harvest it. They had never harvested olives before. They'd probably never picked grapes before. They had to learn how to harvest, but the harvest was there. Oh, let's keep going here. It took over seven years when they crossed that river. It took over seven years to conquer the land. Before Joshua said, All right, it's finished. Go live in the land that you've conquered. It took seven years. They went in and they conquered the center of the land first. And then they went south for a couple years. And then they went north and drove out the nations that were there. Seven years. Think with me for a minute. What happened in those seven years? God said, I'm going to be faithful. I'm promising you this land. 
There were families that were separated for seven years because the women and children stayed on the east side of the Jordan River as the armies went across, as the men went across. Families that were separated for seven years. What a sacrifice. There were children that died due to illness and disease, accidents that the men in those armies never saw again. What a sacrifice. There were times of rejoicing when when they won the battles and there were times of incredible sadness. And God didn't tell them, oh, by the way, when you cross this river, it's going to be real easy. God never told them that because it wasn't. I have never quite, in my mind, put together the idea that God said, I'm giving you this land, now go earn it. But that's exactly what he told them. I'm giving you this land. If you're faithful to me, you're going to win the battles and you're going to take the land. And the first thing they come upon is a little city by the name of Jericho. One of the greatest walled cities in the land. And it fell down. God was faithful. We can do this on our own. We don't need God. This is easy. And they went up to the little town of Ai and got whooped. Because they didn't take God with them. They didn't do what God told them. God had lessons to teach them as they were going into this new land. And I would say that God probably has some lessons to teach us as we go into this next year. But God was faithful. And God will be faithful to us in exactly the same way. Uh, Let's go into this year with the deep, settled confidence that victory is ours. Israel went into the new land actually believing that they could do it, that victory was theirs. 1 Corinthians 15, but thanks be to God, He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Thanks be to God, He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ.